Gentlemen, welcome back to the Woody Allen Retrospective right here on PlanetTower.com. I'm your host, Ronald Wanda, and I'm joined once again with my partner in crime for this journey, Simon Red. Yes, we're still here. The only two men that survived the past two weeks without allegations. Still here, still queer. <laughs> I just wanted to rhyme, Simon. Let's not, let's not go down that rabbit hole. Guys, if you were checking out our last discussion on this retrospective, we actually spoke about that marvellous... Old back to Annie Hall or something. I don't know. A modern day Annie Hall. Whatever it was. Should have been anything else. That's, that's what it should have been. And we should have watched anything else instead of that movie. And that was the name of the title. Of course. 2003's Anything Else. If you're watching this on YouTube, I'll put a link in the top right hand corner so you can go back to that discussion. Don't forget, guys, this is a part of a whole playlist of Woody Allen movies. We've done all of them up to this point. God damn, it's been a long journey. We're still going through, guys. We've got the website, WoodyAllenRetro.com, where you can see the whole collection of our discussions. We're moving forward, guys. We always warn you guys, these are spoiler discussions. If you haven't seen the movie, we're going to spoil them. A lot of you guys do not give a shit about that because you just love the conversation. You love the banter me and Simon got as casual Woody Allen fans. I don't consider myself a casual since I'm so knowledgeable about Woody Allen, but whatever. Yeah, you, you, you're not a casual fan. You're a proper hater. That's, that's what you are. I've been called that by the fan base, by the proper hips of Woody Allen fans, and that's going to continue to happen. And we're going to get to another movie now <laughs> that is very lukewarm. But you know what? We have a lot of good... I have a lot of good and bad things to say about it. So, Simon, why don't you usher us in and we'll take it from there? Well, I'm happy because for myself, this is, uh, this is about as straightforward as you can get. So we're in 2004, another year, another movie. It's called Melinda, Melinda. And... Well, Melinda and Melinda, motherfucker. The and. Don't forget the and, okay? That's what I said. Melinda and Melinda. No, I didn't hear that part. Okay. Well, it's like your love life. It, only that's called you and you. Anyway. Wow, man. That, that's fucked up. Fuck you, man. <laughs> that was funny, though. I'll give you that much. <laughs> Go on, you son of a bitch. <laughs> anyway. What I was trying to start off subtle... Kind of like the movie itself. In my humble opinion, it's just a step back. It's a step back. We said the best thing about the last movie, anything else, was the beautiful cinematography. And Woody kind of upping his game to the, the new decade of filmmaking. This is more like him going back to how he used to do movies a couple of years back. Sure. We have a very organic looking film, as he calls it. Uh, the cinematography is not that impressive. Also, the subject matter in the film is, is, is once again... I guess that's the whole point. If you're wondering about the double title, Melinda and Melinda, is it about two women called Melinda? Well, yes and no. It's about the same woman called Melinda, but in two different stories. And that's the whole gimmick here, that Woody goes back to his old school tales on one hand, a depressing story about the woman's lust for romance and love. And on the other hand, the comedic situation of a guy who's slightly neurotic, being stuck, in an unhappy relationship, fencing a new woman in his life. Woody Allen himself, yes, <laughs> again. Yeah, 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 in short, hey, this is another Woody Allen movie about Woody Allen, isn't it? Yeah. But, I don't know, 
that that's debatable. I didn't want to say that. But basically, you get two movies in one. For those of you who wonder, so, so, so what does this mean? How does this play out? We have a group of white people in a bar who are all New Yorkers. They're all intellectuals. They're all very successful. Sounds like the plot of every 80s Woody Allen movie. Yeah. And they're contemplating the very important question of, is life tragic or funny? Well, to be specific, they're talking about which is a more interesting story narrative. Is tragedy more of an interesting story narrative? Can it carry more? Or can comedy yeah. carry? So there are it's two writers arguing about their narrative perspectives and which one they think is better executed. So it kind of, the way that when the movie starts, it's even set up like Broadway Daddy Rolls where a group of things are talking, those, like you said, the middle class white people are just enjoying their lives. So yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. That's true. I, it shouldn't be skipped over because to me, that's the best idea in the movie. I like that setup that these are guys who are in the arts. They are writers, they're filmmakers. And uh, they, they are actually telling these two stories. They're making them up as they go along. So it's a story within a story. And that's the actual movie we see unfold. And they're kind of narrating it. We cut back to them at different points. So we see the same character of Melinda being portrayed two different ways in two different stories. One is a comedy and one is a drama. And again, typical Woody Allen fashion. That's why I say this is kind of a throwback. Yeah. It's an all-star cast. I mean, you have uh, Ronda Michelle, Will Farrell who's actually acting in this mm -hmm. before he became, you know, the stereotypical man-child. And I guess nowadays he's the stereotypical wuss or stereotypical, you know, bitch-ass husband. I don't even know what to call him. No, these you're days. right. Uh, we'll talk more about that. But you're right there. Steve, yeah, his buddy so Steve Carell's he, there as a little oh so yeah, he's side Steve character. Carell. You have Johnny Lee Miller, Amanda Peed, Chloe Savini, Wallace Shawn. You know that guy. Yeah, Remember? we spoke about him multiple times. He makes us yeah. laugh, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that guy, you know, and again, he, Woody uses him differently here. I, he narrates one of the stories, right? The co uh, comedy one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So again, you can't complain about the cast in terms of the cinematography going a step back. I mean, we've seen plenty of Woody Allen movies like this. You either like it or not. It's yeah. still good. It's competently made. And your boy, Chueto Edifer, he's in here. Yeah. You finally get your black main character. Finally, you've been complaining so much for like 30 movies. I mean, the only one complaining, the whole world is complaining. People that, you know what, I'm going to make that whole separate mini discussion at the end because diversity in Woody Allen movies is a big thing. And this is the first black person on the front. Well, I guess in Destruct Deconstructing Harry, that black prostitute was on the front of the DVD as well. But this is a black character on the front of the post or the front of the cover like hey this guy is the main part and also it's a it's a prominent actor so yeah. you always get these you know really high level casts with well, woody actually i'll give woody allen some props at the time he was a known name so once again woody allen cast a good actor before his time this was before 12 years a slave and dr strange and you know now he's in uh the lion king as well how this cast the scar and lion king remake so Woody Allen had some really good foresight and I'm very disappointed that Woody Allen didn't continue this trend. And again, I'll get to Woody Allen's thoughts on diversity hiring, which makes all sense, but good actor, good it, it cast. It does make sense to me, motherfucker. I oh, will see, we'll see. I don't. I, I would like to discuss it with you further, but hey man, I'll let you wrap this up because I'm going to start talking about this movie in a bit more detail now, unless, Yo, you, unless you're finished. I, I, I'm already wrapped up. Okay. There's two things I want to mention. Okay, fair enough. The, the, cast is, the cast is outstanding. And once again, this is a throwback movie. So yeah, I yeah. got nothing else. To me, it was, uh, it was exactly what I expected it to be. Well, let's start, let's, let's start the dissection. 
Now, this movie, I remember, man, this movie got hate for so many years. I remember just people were like, what a bleh movie. Oh, my God. And people didn't even know what was coming the next year. But this one, he was on a low. He did all those comedies that we mentioned, the last four ones, that people were like, I don't really like them, Woody. You're not making us laugh. Just stop with the comedy, Woody. So he dives into this movie, which is a bit more of a think piece. And if you've seen Woody Allen's interviews, he's always had this thing about, you know, people always like me for more serious films and I do my comedy. So this was a very good thinking piece for Woody Allen. Okay, you know what? Let me put this out there. Let's make a movie where I'm going to discuss whether comedy versus drama, what is a better narrative? And I thought, fantastic idea for a movie. Now, the problem with the movie is very simple. These two stories he's come up with, they're so generic, they're so been there, done that, and they just don't have an X factor that makes them stand out. So what you've got is just a really interesting concept, but the two stories you're watching are bleh. So these two bleh stories, although they acted well, you come out of it just like, whatever. Look, Woody Allen's done both of these movies before. Let's split the movies apart. He's done a tragedy before, he's done a comedy before, and he's done them better. He He's done 25 of each at this point. Yeah, so it's so it's like, I don't know, man. Let's, let's talk about the, the actors, because it's, it's so hard to talk about the story, because the story's just so basic, it's just a shame. So, starting with the main lead, uh, Rhonda Mitchell as the lead, I think she's really fantastic. I think he did a really good casting. She, she really shows her chop, chops on the tragedy side of the story more, obviously, well, well ju- in terms of just mimicking Michelle Pfeiffer, because that's all I thought, especially with the tragedy storyline in her introduction scene where she comes out of the rain all worked up and, you know, she's kind of offbeat. I'm like, that's Michelle Pfeiffer. Come on, son. You're comparing this no, to no, someone... No, no, no. That, that, was, that was basically just imitating Michelle Pfeiffer. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I didn't really see that. And, you know, <laughs> how do you know? I would I would call you up and say, what Michelle Pfeiffer ports are you talking about? But either way... I thought she was good in her own right. I thought she was a good hire. I thought she did well with the movie, even though the material was blah. Uh, moving on for her, for, from her, uh, Chile Wede Edge of Four, he's really good. He's, you know what? You know, unfortunately, he's that token black man in the movie because there's no other black person in the movie. But he's well, there's a, the mixed race guy in the comedy story. That plays the older version of him. And yeah, he's fine. Oh, fair enough. My bad. I did forget about him. Those two are great, but Chile Wede is good. He's everything a Woody Allen hire is usually well-spoken, well-acted, reserved, calm. And uh, should I, you want me to go into the diversity thing now since we're speaking about him just to get out of the way? Um, It's up to you. Uh, because oh, Let's get to the end. The, I don't want to well, hold up the discussion. Let's, let's get to I, the I, end. I have something to add. Uh, right. Not on the diversity, but all your points, I see where you're coming from, and they are valid. To me, this is where the movie kind of... I, I didn't hate the movie. Like, to me, it's a mystery why people hated it. To me, it's perfectly watchable. I mean, it's nothing... I, I didn't have, like, a very elevated experience. You know, like, oh, wow, this is one of the best movies I've seen from Woody Allen. But it was serviceable. And I think where the concept kind of falls short, it reminded me of that movie he did a while back, Sweet and Lowdown, yeah. uh, with um, Sean Penn, mm-hmm. that we spoke about that that was a story being recalled by people being interviewed in a semi-documentary fashion and then there's one point towards the end where each member of the interviewed cast remembers an event differently and they're like well i think it happened like this and i think it happened like that and that was really fun and we wish wish that the movie had more of that yeah and it would have been more interesting here i kind of wish that the stories 
wouldn't be so, I guess, detached. Mm. What I mean by that is, I thought from the opening scene that we're gonna see Melinda as the central character played by the same actress, and then the same characters being played by different actors in different scenarios. And that's kind of how the movie starts off on, on that point. But afterwards, it just became two separate movies. There's very little, I guess, you know, mishmash between the two, the two separate stories. You could say that, oh yeah, there's there's an alternative version of Chuetta Ejiofor's character. There's a there's an alternative storyline for this. There's an alternative storyline for that. And those elements are clever. But I thought if the movie instead of telling two stories at the same time and basically getting two movies in one it would have been more interesting if it had to be the same film but we see one scene as from a dramatic point of view and we see another scene from a comedic point of view so it's a coherent story is just one chapter is told from the person who sees everything from the uh, you know a more downbeat depressing light the tragic light and then we see another segment told or, you know, another scene told by the person who sees everything funny, who says, oh, this is a situation for comedy. So that kind of took me out of the excitement of the film a little bit because I was just watching two different movies. And if you go back and think about the clever bits, how the stories parallel, it improves upon it a bit. But while watching it, it doesn't leave much impact, you know, retrospectively. It's like, oh, I see. So that was supposed to be the equivalent, I guess. Yeah, in both stories, the husband has an affair. But in one story, it works out like this. In the other story, it works out like that. I, I would have just preferred if, you know, the middle part, the opening part, as well as the conclusion was the same, but told from two different perspectives. I think I know what you're saying, because I did feel like the parallels weren't tight enough. Because they kind of, the way the story was told for both stories, they didn't match enough to, to draw the parallels. Not saying that the audience needs to be dumbed down to see this is paralleling that. But it would have been a tighter, clearer experience for what it was doing, where the movie felt like the, the plot elements that were trying to mirror in, they were going ahead of each other and behind, so it didn't really match up very well. It wasn't very, um, is that what you're saying? Because I felt that way too yeah, a little bit. Yeah, kind of. Like, essentially, you're getting two films. You're getting two films with similarities with the title character Melinda being featured in both instead of getting one movie that is the same story. So you have one story, one movie, one set of characters, but depending on who's narrating each chapter or each scene, it's just shot differently. It's from a different light. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It literally, the point would literally be that you can tell the same exact story, but have two complete different opinions about it. For one person, he looks at the story and says, this is funny to me. And the other person says, well, this is really sad to me. Hey, man, I, t I thought about... The thing I liked about this movie, it made me think, because just like we're talking now, I kept on thinking of ways the movie could have improved, but the bottom line is, the overall stories for both of them are just not interesting enough. Because of, I asked myself the simple question, which of the two stories was the better one? And here's my problem. I actually thought, okay, the, 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 the tragic one was a lot better acted, it had diversity and it was more interesting, and... It was just, it was a bit more emotional, but the way it ends is so, it cuts off very bluntly and it's just so black. It just didn't feel anything. It's like, even Woody Allen, I know he likes tragic endings, but that ending left nothing to be desired and it would have made a terrible movie. It's a, it's a shame because that 
would have been okay, but that ending left nothing. And Woody has to wrap it up in a certain way. The comedy one is just too generic. That's all it is. It's a little bit funny. And Will Ferrell, as an actor, it's nice. Will Ferrell doing the Woody Allen persona is a little bit different than the rest. He isn't mimicking, but it's still there. I thought it was nice to see. And going back to what you said about Will Ferrell, he does do one or two movies that that movie, uh, strange, um, was it Stranger Than Fiction and, and Everything Must Go. He tries to do dramatic roles every now and again, but overall, he does do stupid man-child movies. And this one was another silly man-child kind of movie, if you were. And it, the comedy one is just too derivative, too just generic. Even outside of Woody Allen, uh, so many people have done this kind of romantic comedy. So unfortunately, there's nothing that's sound about the comedy one. You, you really got to side with the... Um, the drama one, which is just too harsh. And it's just annoying. I was sitting here thinking, how could this movie have been better? I'm not a writer. I'm about to pitch a little remix concept where I think would have made it a lot better. The way Woody executed this movie is the two writers are talking about the movie and then we show you the movie. We actually show the audience the movie. I think this movie would have been a hell of a lot better if it was like Bullets Over Broadway, where the two writers, they have to make the movie as a play. It's all in real life these actors all the actors doing the movie are actually doing the two movies and the actual writers are trying to fight for which one's the better movie they're trying to fight with the studio which is the better play or movie whatever and you actually see the actors performing each movie and the actors are talking about which one they think is better as well like a bullets over broadway thing it's a play where they're trying to make two movies they're trying to figure out which is the better one to go forward as a play and the actors actually have input as well. So you hear everyone talking about which is the better one and why they think it's better and which one they want to do. And meanwhile, the writers themselves are in the movie themselves, not just narrating the movie or giving you their what if the movie was like this. I actually thought it would have been better as a play, but it's on a Broadway style kind of thing. I think it would have made the movie a lot more interesting. Okay. I guess. I don't want to crush your dreams right now. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'll edit this shit out if I don't like it. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trolling you. I mean, yeah, it's easy to kind of go back and be like, "Well, you should have done this. You should have I done know. that." I know. I'm gonna get hate for. Oh, you think you're so smart? You think you could have written a better movie? I'm just saying. We have a podcast, yeah. so I, I feel like I can just indulge my opinion. That's all. Trust me, I'm not no fucking writer. My version would probably be shit. I'm just saying. I, you know, to make the movie better, I don't know. Fair enough. Bottom line is, it's one of those movies where the concept is better than the actual film itself. You yeah. know. The, the concept is great. Woody always talks about how he has this dilemma between comedy and tragedy. That he always leans more tragic, but he's a natural comedian. He just can't help but be funny. But he always wants to do things tragic and he sees life tragic and all his stories end up being tragic for some rhyme or reason. And he has to always fight against it if he wants to, you know, make it more lighthearted and these two natural instincts of his are always battling it out so it's very interesting for him to kind of tackle that challenge and put it all in one film where he's basically like well life could be both at the same time and it's up to you to choose how you see it it's just the execution is not that great i mean who knows maybe he'll retry this concept in a similar film later down the line and that works out better he did that plenty times before but with this one i think the actors are great performances are good you can watch it but sure. it's not a very memorable experience i agree I, honestly i actually think when woody allen makes movies like this he actually combines the two 
if you see a lot of his, like Hannah and sisters, he he combined. I mean, Hannah and sisters is such a great, uh, such a great example. You know why? Because he combined tragedy with comedy. Comedy. Woody's on the one side, he's a comedy thing, and then he, he had the tragic storyline with the you know the infidelity. Same thing with crimes and misdemeanors. So Woody Allen usually he combines some slapstick comedy with a He always kind of does that. That's what he does. But in this movie, he kind of split it apart, tried to argue the point, and it was a very interesting concept. But the execution, the writing of the actual two stories is just not compelling. They're just so blare and forgettable. So, you know, people didn't like the movie just because they just thought it was boring. Like, all the going on IMDb, going on tomatoes, the scores are just slightly above average. It looks like, ironically, the movie actually did well in the theatres and actually made a, a bit of money, even though I can't find the production budget. But it made, I, made it, I think it made a 30 million. For a Woody Allen movie of this caliber, that's pretty good, especially for the studio, which I forget the studio for this one. But either way, it was kind of hated on at the time, but over more recently, in the retrospective of his filmography, it's looked back rather more forgivingly. Like, it's okay. People are just like, nah, it's okay. For me, being harsh, it's another kind of skippable one because it's just been there, done that. And I, I really prefer hearing Woody Allen talk about the concept in person in interviews rather than see a movie where nothing really happens. But that's my opinion. It's a, just like Simon. I think it's a, a passable movie, but nothing special. But let's get into this whole diversity thing because um, here's the thing, man. We live in a very multicultural world and at the time, I know, even in the 2000s, this was the time where we were, seeing, we were starting to see a minutia more of diversity in movies and Woody Allen is criticised through most of his career for not being diverse enough. Now, there's this article, uh, I'm just going to put it, if you're on YouTube, I'll actually put it on the screen about, uh, it's by IndieWire and I think the New York Times actually had a bigger article about this as well. It's Woody Allen says he won't hire a black actor unless the role calls for one. And in the article, I believe he was, um, <laughs> I believe he was kind of cornered at the red carpet. I mean, he's always, people always say this about him. But there's one particular point where they had this interview where someone asked him, I think on the red carpet, like, you know, why doesn't he include diversity enough? Apparently he was kind of taken back by it. And he was like, I only put them in if the role calls for it. I'm not going to just do it just because... And that's fine, Woody. You can do whatever you want. And I agree with what he says. If the role calls for it, that's fine. So let's talk about this movie. Chilly Welly Edge of Four. I look at his character and he's just another Woody Allen character. There's nothing special about him being black in the movie at all. So to me, it's more about the actor. Chilly Welly in this movie is a great pick. I'm like, Woody, you've got a talent for picking good actors. This guy was perfect for your Woody Allen movie. But you saying if the role calls for it, I don't see how him being a black person plays into this character at all. Okay, for well, it's, it, 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 it's the look. So he, he is a pianist who writes his own music and it, his uh, pieces are being performed in theaters at the moment. So if you think about the kind of picture he wants to paint, this, you know, artsy-fartsy, upper class, Upper East Side, New York people... Chueta Edgefer, the way he dresses, the way he looks, he fits right into that. You know, it, it's still, I mean, we're in 2004, but even up until today, it's a gated society with it, its own prejudices. So to have a black character there, you know, it's not surprising that it's from a musical angle of being an accomplished uh, music teacher. Well, not even music teacher, a, accomplished composer and performer, you know, of music, of uh, piano pieces. Okay. So yeah, it's just a freaking stereotype. What am I supposed to tell you? I mean, 
like, okay, uh, let me give you my take on this. Like, A, Buddy Allen needs to learn to shut the fuck up. Because nobody understands what he wants to say when he opens his mouth. And he always, it always comes with a backlash. So I get it that what he was saying is that after the civil rights movement, were, which was in, you know. 70s or something? I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah. 60s, but yeah. I'm like, it, it took way too long. Point is, once African-Americans became a demographic that had money, you could market things to them to get their money. That's how companies work. But that also created tokenism. So when it came to representation, you know, you start seeing actors being put in movies just because that could increase the appeal in the eyes of an executive to say, oh, black people wouldn't watch this movie. But if we put a black person in there, they'll probably watch it because of that, which, again, is stupid. To a certain extent, it's racist because you just assume every black person thinks does thinks the same way, does the same things, likes the same things, the same things to appeals to them. And also just because you see another black person, you're like a magnet just gravitating towards it. Like, I need to watch this movie because Kevin fucking Hart is in it, you know, or something like that. So it's all dumb, but that's how executives work. And it also created opportunity. But the aspect that Woody was referencing in his terrific delivery was that there comes a certain point where because of finances, you will be asked to throw in a token character in the movie. Uh, like, just add an extra character because we want this movie to do well in China, so we won't need a Chinese character. Or we or we want to diversify the movie because it's coming out, uh, you know, during this weekend of this month where our data analysis shows that these people from these demographics attend movies so we want to appeal to them so could you write a character and could you put this actor in there? this actor is popular at the time so can you write something for Martin Lawrence to be in the movie or something like that you always have these conversations so when somebody says I only put an actor in there if the role requires it that means that I'm not gonna add in an extra character just to diversify if I write a character that I think a particular actor can play then I'll put that actor in the movie regardless of, you know, their race or gender. And I agree with that, but at the same time, I don't know what other limitations he has to deal with. And what I mean by that is that you could argue that, hey, all right, that's fair enough for diversity's sake, but there's plenty of black talent in Hollywood who would love to work with you, so why can't you just collaborate a bit? And I think if you look at a lot of his movies, even though it's a star-studded cast, most of the cast is always at the beginning of their career. We talk oh. about this, how Woody has a great eye for talent. A lot of people are featured in his films before they make it big, before they cost $20 million a movie. So I think when it came to working with people like Will Smith or Denzel Washington, who are great actors, and they would do well in a more sophisticated artistic movie you know type of stuff Woody Allen makes they were too expensive and especially like somebody like Will Smith went on the record multiple times in the 90s that he ain't gonna do a movie where he he has to make a step down because he has to deal with his own set of politics well I'm, and a, I'm assuming his... that's why he hired Chiwele Ejiofor exactly for that reason you're just pointing there yeah exactly so there are a lot of politics going in like uh, certain actors when people say to them why don't you do more indie projects for less money and it's because once you do that movie 
the next time there the you go into a discussion or you go into an interview or, or a meeting about a future project, they're like, well, your last movie, you, you only caused this much. So what's the difference here? And it's sometimes it's hard to make that argument where you made an indie movie for less money and now you want to go back to your standard fee. You know, some sometimes actors struggle with that. So they need to keep a certain minimal requirement to maintain the established status they okay. have. Okay, I'm, 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 uh, getting, I, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm getting bored by your fucking politics talk, all right? <laughs> God damn it, Simon. Listen, listen, listen. I hear what you're saying and it's the same. Look, Woody Allen says shit like this for ages. I read pages of shit. Here's my thing. I'll make it very simple. And I want to drone this on because at the end of the day, Woody Allen should do what the head he likes. I don't watch Woody Allen movies for diversity. Woody Allen is a man of his age. Woody Allen, people do what they know, what they, you know, what they're grown about. Woody Allen don't know black people. Fair enough. I'm not trying to tell him to force dudes other shit. I just, I see this guy. I see him hiring this guy. I get excited. A lot of fans were excited because they're like, wow, man, he put a great no-name black actor. I, I hope he can does that again. Between this movie and now, 2017, Simon, he doesn't do it again. <laughs> so it's kind of like, why? What, I mean, what stopped you from doing it? So all these things about politics to this day, Woody Allen is a free agent. He's got so much creative control. We know that. People gravitate towards him. There are people that are not Will Smith or Denzel Washington or that, that would like to work and that got talent. And he can find them because he proves it in this movie. He can find talent that don't cost a lot, that are up and coming, and he's got an eye for it. We all know Woody Allen's got an eye for talent, him and his casting director. So it's just disappointing that even after this movie, where he clearly shows he can do it, he doesn't. And that's because I think he just doesn't care. Not because he's racist, because he doesn't he, he doesn't really care about the opportunity, he doesn't really care about diversity. All he cares about mostly is his scripts. That's fine, but people are disappointed. And now in 2017, diversity means money we all know that fast and furious we know that diversity is money back then i don't even think if this studio told him he'll get more money if we if we, we can get this and watch it for nothing he'd probably say i don't care he's not part of my script and i like woody i, I like woody allen because he's a purist and he sticks to his script that's fine as a person of color i'm just disappointed that he just never carried the trend that he started in this movie by hiring someone that isn't really expensive that has got chops because he can hire people with talent he's shown it before but for some reason, this seems like a very special case. I don't really know. Maybe the Woody Allen Pages guy who writes the books can tell us why he put you to the edge of thought. Because I don't really know why. Because at the time, again, he was a, he was more or less a nobody. Sorry to be harsh, but he wasn't a big actor at all. So why did he pick this black guy? Was it the casting director? Because it was out of the norm. And after this, he didn't do it again. <laughs> so it's kind of frustrating that I don't know. But I don't hold it against Woody Allen. I don't think he's a racist. I'm disappointed as a person of colour, but it never stopped me from watching his movies. It would have helped him marketing-wise and, you know, it would have brought more people in. But Woody Allen doesn't give a fuck about diversity or bringing in fans. He just does his own thing. He's very tunnel-visioned. But again, it's just a bit disappointing and frustrating. But it never stopped me from being a fan. That's that's all I've got to say. So it is what it is. Yeah, I guess it is what it is. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So anyway, guys, I hope that wasn't too much. I know some of our... Non people are like, what the fuck? We don't want to hear this shit. Just talk about the goddamn movies. Hey, guys. That's why it's interesting to have this podcast with a person on color on so I can get my perspective. And if you don't like my perspective or you think I was talking absolute shit or you've got an alternate opinion on why you think I don't understand, you don't understand what Woody Allen's doing. You don't understand the politics. <laughs> hey, man, let us know in the comments down below. I want to hear it. Maybe there's something I don't really understand. I'm not a director. I'm not a fucking casting agent. I don't work in Hollywood. I'm just a guy that likes Woody Allen movies, regardless of 
not having diversity in it. I like stories. I like good stories. And that's why we do this thing, just to share our perspectives. Anyway, that's a long enough ramble for this movie. We spoke more about the diversity in the fucking movie because, again, the movie's kind of meh. So, um, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing to the channel. Simon, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you there. No, I just want to say Josh Brolin is in this movie if you want diversity. You know, you can't have enough white people in one film. You're telling me you really can't. There's a woman in here that I didn't mention. Let me get her name, even though she's not really anyone of... No, all you um, Grey's Anatomy fans, you will notice that that lady Brooke Smith was in here. She's the she was the friend in the movie, the friend between all the bigger lady. You don't watch Grey's Anatomy, so I think she was okay in the movie. I, I don't even know why I'm telling tailing off this discussion talking about her because she had a kind of a small role. But it was nice to see with the Alan casting people that wanted to do bigger things, which he does all the time. Again, for Chili Way Edgy for cast him so early on, he didn't even shine until like another five or years after this movie. So again, I love the casting director, Woody. They got some foresight, regardless of colour. They really got foresight in their casting. Yeah, but um, still didn't help the movie though. It didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> it didn't at all. Simon, I want to thank you for being on this long-ass discussion. This one was longer than it needs to be. That's fine. That's fine. Let's, ju- let's just get to next week's movie because can't wait for that one. Yeah, it is a turning point in Woody Allen's career, guys. You know what's coming up. It is going to be match point spoilers. So... Boy, I'm gonna I'm gonna be critical in that movie because that apparently that's Woody Allen's greatest movie. Period. Let's see about that. Let's have a fresh watch. Let's get some fresh eyes. And I know you need to keep your eyes on Scarlett Johansson's ass, Simon. I'm gonna tell you that right now. <laughs> you need to stop this section. Yeah, I, I was about to make that joke too. Yeah. I was like, I know where I'm gonna keep my eyes on. Is there something about, about it. her body? Let's let's get let's get critical. Let's get fight. It's a great movie. I know that already. But let's be critical, motherfucker, because you and these women, just like with. Uh, Charlie's phone. You just can't stop your eyes from the prize. Let's talk about the movie, goddammit. <laughs> Yo, there's nothing wrong if you can't stop your eyes. I'd rather be the guy who can't stop his eyes than the guy who can't stop his hands. Ah, uh, yeah. The cleansing, guys. 2017. The cleansing. Yeah, the cleansing. <laughs> it's only going to be us left. Everybody else is going to be in jail. And we better be careful about what we say, boy. I'm telling you. You know what I mean? So... Guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. If you listen on the podcast, leave us a review on iTunes or what have you. Subscribe to the channel. Click the annotation on the screen. And we'll see you on the next recording.